0: You will find yourself in Leviticus chapter 3 and we're going to start in verse number 1 going through verse number 16. Uh, Tonight if you had to put a title on this evening's message it would be Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Last week we looked at Jesus being the bread of life. Tonight we're going to look at Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so you'll find your way to that. But before we uh, dig into the lesson we have uh, a very special, and he's not a guest, he's one of us. But uh, I want to, to uh, uh, give a good, hearty, warm welcome. Brother Richie Paris, who's been deployed for almost a year now, is back home and he's hey. sitting there with his wife. So you be sure to let him know. You appreciate what he's done for us and for his unit. And they, he got back, he has a leg injury uh, and uh, he's going to have to go back to. Uh, Norfolk to get some uh, rehab. Hopefully no surgery, but that's a possibility. But continue praying for him uh, and for his dear family. And also be sure to thank him for his sacrifice uh, and his service to our country. And we appreciate you, Brother Richie. We're so glad that you're home. And I know your dear wife, I'm telling you what, she has been beside herself. Oh, and she told us that she was coming home and whatnot. And I'm so glad you're back home so you can take care of her now. She's exhausted us. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, I just thought that was going to. I'll get paid back for that one, I'm sure. Here in Leviticus, uh, chapter uh, number 3, verses 1 through 16, we have now come to the third offering that's made mention of. And this offering is uh, called the uh, fellowship offering, also referred to as the peace offering. And, of course, it is a picture of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, as we've gone through this book, uh, we've seen that in all these sacrifices, all these offerings, it's a picture of the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so uh, we, we see Him in this fellowship or this peace offering. Now, uh, would you agree with me tonight that we are living in a, uh, a community, we're living in a nation, We're living in a world that's restless. We are restless people. And we see that uh, things going on in Syria and with Russia and Iran. And we see the unrest even in our own country where uh, there is such a division between uh, folks and political views and all kinds of other issues there. And we see that at any moment... Something could flare up. North Korea could blow back up again. i mean we we live in a restless world and it seems like we have all of these uh, the modern technology and all and they keep on saying this is going to make your life a little easier it seems like we're more stressed now than we ever been with all these other gadgets supposed to help us and and I've, you and all as well I've had to be going to Nashville and, and I'm telling you there's some restless people on that road I mean you know they're they're taking the shoulder they're you, you know they're cut I mean they're it we're just living a a restless, restless uh, society. But I, I came across this quote, and I, uh, it was, I thought it, it, it was quite sad. It was written by H.G. Wells. Everybody knows about H.G. Wells. This is where he wrote. He says, My life has come to a, a pl- place in time that my life has been to secure fruitful peace. But then he goes on and he says, And here I am at the age of 64, trying to secure and still seeking peace. And then he closes it out this way. He says, I have come to this determination. It is hopeless to find peace. That's sad. A 64-year-old man at this time came to a point in his life where he's been looking for peace, and he says, I have given up hope to find peace. There's a lot of people tonight in this town, it could be in this service, that you may not have expressed it like H.G. Wells expressed it, but in your heart, you've come to the conclusion, I'll never find peace. I'll never find peace in my family. I'm never going to find peace in the relationships that I've made. I'm just not going to find any peace. Well, my dear friend, first of all, you need to know, and this is the story that we need to get out, is that there is peace. And peace is only found in the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, people that have come to this agreement, as H.G. Wells had said, that he find it hopeless, they never met the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, we all know the story of Apostle Paul. I mean, he's going from one jail to another jail, and he's been beaten, he's been shipwrecked. I mean, of all the things that could take place, Paul probably experienced them. We also know that whatever the case may be, all kinds of speculation on what his thorn was... Some think it was physical. Some think it was spiritual. Whatever the case may be, he had a thorn in his flesh. Three times the Apostle Paul went to God and said, God, will you deliver me from this? No. God, would you, would you give me some relief from this? No. Lord, could you just go ahead and at least give me some peace about this? And the Lord says, my grace is Sufficient. The apostle Paul said, no matter the state that you find me in, I'm content. Isn't it wonderful to know that no matter what's going on in your life, you can find peace and contentment. But the only way we can find peace and contentment is by coming to know the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we know the Prince of Peace, two things will take place. First of all, you'll have peace with God. That's what happens when you get saved. Because the Bible says that we were warring. We're enemies of Christ. And when we came to realize that we're in need of a Savior, and when we confessed and repented of our sins and called upon the lovely name of Jesus Christ, He gave us peace. Aren't you glad tonight that when you go home, you can put your head on your pillow and you can rest comfortable tonight because you have peace with God. But because you have peace with God, that means you can also have the peace of God. And the peace of God kicks in when you're going through Trials and tribulations. And so we understand that. Solomon. Solomon, of course, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And you start reading the Ecclesiastes, you see, Solomon apparently did not have the peace that we're talking about tonight. And he started looking for ways that he could find satisfaction. He was looking for ways that he could have contentment. He was looking for ways that he could have peace. And he looked in all kinds of areas and all kinds of places. And the, the phrase that keeps on resounding in the book of Ecclesiastes says it's all in vain. Vanity of vanities. But when you get and as he starts to close that out, he came to realize the peace that he was looking for can only be found in knowing Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. And so uh, here we see uh, the peace offering. And the peace offering is a beautiful picture of the the sacrifice the Lord Jesus had uh, uh, has made for us. Remember the burnt offering. The burnt offering was the atone for the sin. Uh, last week we look at the grain offering. The grain offering which was placed upon that was a thanksgiving offering. It was a, an offering that we show our appreciation. It was an offering that showed that we were totally dependent upon God. It was an offering that said, Lord, because you have atoned for my sin, I can thank you. And now it moves on because of thanksgiving and because because of what Jesus Christ done uh, has done for us, we can also have fellowship. And when we have fellowship, we have peace, peace with God. So in verse number one, this is what the Bible says. It says, And if his oblation will be a sacrifice of peace offering... Uh, it be offered uh, it of the herd. Okay, remember we saw that there was three uh, uh, dealing with animal sacrifices. The peace offering was a animal sacrifice. We saw that it came from the herd. Remember the herd uh, was uh, oxen or, or cattle. And that was for those who were a little more uh, well-to-do, uh, they would bring an offering out of their herd. And then we're also going to see, it makes mention of the second uh group of people, that would be the middle class people, uh, the working people uh, that they would bring it from the flock. That would mean that their offering would be a lamb or a a goat. And then the third offering that we saw with the burnt offering was that it could become from the fowl. It would come from a a bird. They would bring that. And of course we saw that was a picture of what Jesus Christ when He sacrificed Himself He did the sacrifice for all of us. it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter if you have education or no education. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, if you're black or white. Uh, it doesn't matter. He came to sacrifice and he came to sacrifice for all of us. Aren't you glad tonight he came for all of us? Whosoever will can be saved because of that. And so he goes on and says of this offering, and it be of the herd, and and whether it be a male or a female. Now, this is the offering uh, that, remember we talked about this before, is that he had to be a male. Well, here it said it could be a male or female. So there's a distinction with the peace offering. The distinction, why is that? First of all, this offering primarily is going to be used for food. Okay? Also, this offering did not include a vow. And because of that, you could either bring a male or you could bring a female. And so he says, and he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his... Uh, hand upon the head of this offering. Remember uh, when we looked at the burnt offering that was a picture if you will that uh, those of us who were guilty it would transfer our guilt to the sacrifice. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us that he that had no guilt in him took the guilt uh, the guilty one took the punishment took the judgment took, uh, took the, the, the suffering that was reserved for us It was transferred unto him. He who knew no sin became sin because of you and me. Okay, and so he put his hands upon of his offering, and he killed it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about, and he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace. Uh, offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat that covereth uh, the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards. Now, first of all, we're going to see, in in verses 1 through 3, but it goes on through verse number 5, we're going to see uh, it is a picture of the Lord Jesus being a servant. Okay? Servant. Now, why do we get that? Well, remember, he says they would either take a, a, a bull or, or, or a cow. Those are service animals. A cow could be used for meat, but the cow also could be used for milk. It, it provided a service to the people. The the oxen, if you will, was the workhorse. They would put the yoke on that and they would uh, till up the ground with that. And so here, uh, the offering that was given, that's made mention in the verses that we just read, were service animals. That is a picture that the offering, the animal that was going to be sacrificed, was an animal that was a a benefit and, and provided a service. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. The Bible tells us that he came not to be served, but to serve us. And so, uh, what all does that mean? For It means that uh, because he's a servant. Now, notice that it talks about, and you look at that in a little, um, verses 4-5, through five. it starts talking about the fat, starts talking about the kidneys, and it talks about the liver. Now, when you read that, you're thinking, well, what's the big deal? It's a big deal. Understand, back in this time, those three parts of the sacrifice were choice parts. They were choice. They they were told to take them and put them aside. What does that have a picture of? It helps us first to realize that God the Father sent the choice one, the Lord Jesus, to be our sacrifice. But it also means that when we partake of this offering, that when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, who who sacrificed Himself for us, That I'm to serve Him and I'm to serve Him with the best that I have. God deserves the best. He doesn't deserve leftovers. He doesn't deserve uh, an afterthought. He deserves the best. Why? Because He gave His best. He gave His best for us. And, and so we see in Matthew chapter 20, verse number 28, this is what the Bible says about Jesus. He said, He came not to serve, but He came to give His life for us. He served us by giving His life. And because He gave His life, because He died for us, we can have life. And we can have life For all eternity. But the Bible doesn't stop there. The Bible also says not only do we have eternal life because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, but we also have abundant life. And He keeps on blessing us, does He not? Many of you, if I were to ask you, could you give me a testimony of what God's done for you just this past week? I dare say most of us would stand up and says, "Well, I'm telling you, brother Mike, this is what the Lord did for me this week or today. This is what the Lord did for me." Uh, maybe you're here and says, "Well, you know, I don't know if He's really done anything for me." Well, if you're saved, He done something for you, okay? And, and so we recognize the fact that He has uh, given us. Oh, uh, uh, now. Uh, Notice this also, that this offering, as I made mention, was for everyone. This this is another distinction between the other offerings. This offering was consumed by everyone. Everyone was able to eat of this offering. Solomon in First Kings shows us a picture that when the dedication of the of the temple, he had a, he offered up. A hundred and forty-two thousand peace offerings. It was said that the people ate upon those offerings for two weeks. What is that a picture of? The Lord Jesus just keeps on giving us. Keeps on giving us. Keeps on feeding us. But what we have to understand is the only way that we're going to benefit from this is that we must have fellowship with Him. How do we have fellowship with Him? By having a relationship with Him. And if we have fellowship with Him because of our relationship with Him, our relationship will show in the way we serve Him. And when we're serving Him, that's where we get peace. I don't know about you, but I'm at peace when I'm serving the Lord Jesus. When I'm doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ, and when I'm able to witness to someone, and I'm able to offer them uh, through the sacrifice of Jesus, offer them this wonderful gift of salvation, doesn't it do something for you to know that this gift that you've given them, and they received this gift, is a gift that will keep on giving, giving for all eternity. And so you have invested in somebody's life that was not going Uh, to be going to heaven, that they were bound for hell, you gave them an opportunity to accept this wonderful gift and it's a gift that will keep on giving and it's a gift that they can never lose. It's a gift of salvation. I don't know about you, but that gives peace within me when I'm able to help someone come to realize they can have peace with God and they can have the peace of God by accepting this sacrifice. Of what he's done for us. And so in Matthew uh, and Philippians, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 7, he says, talking about Jesus, he says that he came of no reputation and he came as a servant. And so we see that the Lord Jesus is a picture here of being a servant. But I want you to pick up in verse number 6. In verse number 6, we're gonna see the Lamb of God. Now, we're going to see reputation, so we're not going to read the whole... It's repeated. So It's just one of the things that you'll see in Leviticus. So one of my um, uh, Jewish friends told me that when I was... I told them that we were doing a study through Leviticus, and uh, she said, well, that's boring. And I said, well, you know, not to us. It's boring to them because they don't realize all that's been described here can be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm excited about it because I see that uh, that this goes all the way back to the beginning. God had a purpose and plan and He had a sacrifice in mind and His name is Jesus. That excites me. And I can understand why she wasn't excited because she did not know this Messiah that they say that they're looking for, but we've already found. (laughs) That's pretty good right there. They're still looking for them. And I like to tell them, Says, well, I've already found them. And they say, well, that's what I've heard. And I say, well, hey, and that's another story. And it says, and, it says, and if this is offering for a sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord, be of the flock, male or female. Here again, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's the only distinction here. The other ones had to be male, male or female. Uh, And he shall offer it without blemish. And and if the offer uh, a lamb... For his offering, then shall he offer it before the Lord. Now we're going to see, it goes on and starts laying, uh, the reputation begins. He lays the hand, a hand upon him. Now, when we look at it, it says it can be a lamb. That helps us to be reminded of what John the Baptist said when he saw the Lord Jesus. He says, Behold the lamb that taketh away the sins of Of the world. We also see it in Isaiah. Isaiah talks about that he will be like a lamb led to the slaughter. We see picture after picture in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, where it reminds us that our lamb sacrifice was Jesus Christ. He was our lamb. He was slain before the foundation of the world was founded. He was the sacrifice, has always been the sacrifice. And I'm going to go repetitive, but you go all the way back. Even before the beginning of the beginning, God had a purpose and a plan. And as He goes, we go through the Old Testament, we see how this plan has come to fruition. And now you see why we should have a, 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 a fond. if you will, for the nation of Israel. That's the reason why we should have a fondness for the Jewish people because that's exactly what we've come out of. It's a natural flow from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And so that's the reason why it's important for us to get a good handle on the Old Testament. And I just had a conversation. I'm supposed to have uh, dinner uh, with this uh, dear family. And uh, uh, they they know where I stand. They know I'm a believer. Uh, but um, I told them, I said, you know, we ought like to get together. So they said, we'd love to have dinner with you and your family. And they know Micah and Rebecca as well. And so I said, man, that'd be great. I'd love to have that. And I talked to them about her family. She has family that's in North Israel. Uh, their property that they have, uh, she said. There's bed ones that are, are up to, next to the uh, their, their property, and I said, you know what? It'd be pretty cool. I'd like to just go hang out with the Bedwins for a day or two. And she says, oh, maybe we could arrange that. And so oh, she she was excited when we talked about our trips to Israel and and, and all of that. And I, when I talked to her about the Old Testament, and I told her I've been to the synagogue, she says, oh, we go to that one, and uh, she. Said, says, I need to take you. I would love for you to go with us. And it's another synagogue, which is the ultra-conservative ones, uh, where they're the ones that have the, the top hats, the black hats, and the, the black long jackets. Uh, you might have seen them. there. They're the ones with the curls and all that. She says, I'd love for you to go there. And so we're we're starting to have a communication here. And, and I, I told her, I said, uh, you know, it's interesting to me how, how close knit we are. And we are Why? Because, and and I I always like to drop this on and tell you, I says, you know what? My Messiah is Jewish as well. Jesus was Jewish, right? Came out of the tribe of Judah. Hey, listen, that's the reason why I'm grateful. Not in the beginning, I'm grateful that we have a president that sees that we need to continue to bless Israel. Because the Bible says, you bless Israel, I'll bless you. And, and so, uh, you know, the, the, the connection is there. And it opens many doors for us. And so I tell you, when I'm talking about uh, Old Testament and I, and I show them, she says, oh, I've heard that. But, she's, but she still wants to, to, to interact with us. She says, well, it has to be in October. September is a full month for the Jewish people because they, they have their, the new year, which uh, they just celebrated. They have uh, Yom Kippur that's coming up, the day of Tomah. They have the Feast of Tabernacles, which comes up at the end of September. And so oh, we started talking to them about that. And, and, and you see how all of that is a wonderful picture of what is to come. Jesus was a fulfillment of all of this. He fulfilled every bit of it. And so it goes and we see that he's a lamb. He was a lamb that was slain before the world was even established. In Luke chapter 9 verse number 23 he says, now uh, this is what you have to do. If you want to be a follower of me, you must deny yourself and you need to take up your cross. Now, we see the cross. It means a lot of things to a lot of people. The cross, for some of us, uh, you know, we have jewelry. and And I have nothing against that. I have a cross around my neck. But the cross is more than just a piece of jewelry. Also, when you look at the cross, it should help you to understand the cruelty and the suffering that took place on the cross. Jesus died on that cross so that you could go free. Jesus sacrificed Himself for us so that we could go free. But we also, when we look at the cross, it should, uh, it should uh, motivate us that we need to be serving even more. The cross, when I look at the cross, I see not only the suffering and, and the shame, but I also see the glory Of the cross, the glory of the cross, because if there was no sacrifice on the cross, then we would not be able to go free. If we did not have the sacrifice that was taking place on the cross, every one of us tonight would be distant and doomed for hell. Every one of us. We would have no hope tonight without the cross. And so the cross is the central theme. The cross was the central theme in the Old Testament. The cross is the central theme of the New Testament. The the Old Testament and the New Testament is bridged together by the cross. It's the cross that brings it together. It's the cross that shows us the fulfillment that we can have. It's the cross that helps us to understand I can have fellowship with a holy God. I can serve a God. And the only reason why is because of the bridge, because of the sacrifice. And when I have fellowship with Him, I can have peace with Him. And the only way I can have peace with Him is accept His sacrifice. But then... It goes on and says that in Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse number 10, it says, if you want to know Him, I'm paraphrasing Him, you must have suffering or fellowship, fellowship of suffering. If we're going to connect, if you will, if we're going to have fellowship with Him, it has to become by way of suffering. There's times when we'll have to suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ. You may have to suffer in your body. You may have to suffer or whatever the case may be. But there comes suffering when you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And these wealth and health and name it and claim it crowd, they, they are not teaching the Bible what the Bible says. The Bible never said you were, when you got saved, all your problems will go away. Matter of fact, it says right the opposite. It never said that because you get saved, you're always gonna have everything going well. Quite the opposite. It says that if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, there's gotta be a cost involved and there's gotta be some suffering involved. It'll cost you something to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You will suffer persecution. Many of you have spoken of the fact that because you've gotten saved, you've been isolated from your own family. And today we see Muslims that are coming to know Christ. And and I saw it uh, talking with those that have been in the Middle East uh, that they totally lost their family. Their family wrote them off as dead because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So we got to understand, following Jesus is going to cost you something. And could it be, that's the reason why the church is not making the impact the way we ought to be making the impact is because we've come to conclusion, I don't want to count the cost. I don't want to have to suffer. And we got what we got. The lost and dying world does not give a flip when you come and tell them about Jesus Christ when everything's going well in your house. They're not going to listen to you. But when they know that you've gone through a terminal illness, when they know that you've gone some trials and tribulation. When they know that you've just about gone bankrupt. When they know that you have a family member that has caused a lot of hurt and a lot of pain in your family and you're still talking about this Jesus and you're still praising this Jesus and you still say even with all that going on in my life I can go home tonight and I can put my head on my pillow and I can sleep well because I have peace with God and because I have peace with God I have peace of, uh, the peace of God. That's when they'll take notice. That's when they'll take notice. And so uh, we, we see that uh, th- th- to love Him, you have to have fellowship and the fellowship of suffering. Now, very quickly, we're going to see the judgment of God. Verses 12 through 16 talks about this. It's because of the fire of the, uh, of the burnt offering, the, the fire that was on the altar there. Fire is always, uh, uh, in the Bible you'll see it is talking about judgment. And so the Lord Jesus took our judgment. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 28, He said that He he bore our sins. He took the judgment that was deserved for us. He took it upon Him. He bore your sin. Now, I know we've heard that. And I know, I mean, we've heard it and heard it and heard it. But I want us to really start... To ponder on this point, do you understand what that means? He bore not only your sin, but He bore the sins of the world. Put it this way. When you get saved, it's not that you're going to stop sinning, but sin affects you differently now. Okay, When you was lost, it didn't bother you. But when you got saved... You got a conviction when you sin, and you know how the how miserable you felt. You you know man, you, you you just you know I know I need to I need I need to go and confess and I, I need to I need to get this out and you, you carry you just get burdened by it and you thought well nobody knows I'm carrying this sin oh they do know it 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 will show in your countenance. It could be somebody here tonight. Oh, you're jovial, you know, you're you're ha- but inside, you know, there's some unconfessed sin, and it's eating your lunch. You know how that feeling is. Multiply that by six billion. He took all the sins of the whole world. It was placed on him. Our judgment. He took. And so we see in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18, he says, He once suffered for us the just for the unjust. So why? So he could bring us to God. He said, This is what I'll do. I don't deserve this. I'm the innocent party here, just like these little animals, these animals. These animals were innocent, but yet they were taken for the sacrifice. Remember the hands that were placed upon them? The one that was guilty now transferred his guilt over to that animal. And that animal that did not, not know anything, that, was, that was, had no guilt, any, innocent lamb, took that burden and was placed on the altar in that person's position. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. You and I deserved being nailed to a cross. You and I deserve to be crucified. But Jesus said, I'll take your place. That's what the peace offering helps us to realize. So the burnt offering, the atoning for our sin. The grain offering, giving thanks because we our sins have been atoned but now we have fellowship with him and we can have peace with him a peace that the bible says surpasses all understanding i have talked to people and maybe you're one of those that you say brother mike the worst day of my life, and they filled in the blank. Or the worst time in our life, in the life of our family was when fill in the blank. The worst situation that I had to go through was fill in the blank. But you know what? Even through all of that, I had a peace that God was going to take care of it. Aren't you glad tonight you can have a peace that surpasses all understanding? The lost world does not understand that, cannot comprehend that. But those of us who are believers know exactly. When someone tells that story like that, we can say, yeah, brother, yeah, sister, I know exactly what you're talking about. The peace of God. I started thinking about the peace of God and the contentment that I can have. And maybe tonight there's someone here that... You don't have that. Your world's upside down. You're churning inside. And you're trying to do your best to put on the best uh, the best face. But inside, it's... it's Eating you alive I got good news for you tonight Jesus Christ can give you that peace but you have to have fellowship with him and because of our fellowship and because of our peace we have service very quickly very quickly I was talking to my wife and uh uh she's, uh she's in this room where everything is recorded and all that kind of good stuff, which is kind of freaky. But uh, so I told her, I said, uh, Donna, I said, you know, and I told her what I was going to preach on. I said, you know what? I said, uh, let, let me see if this uh, illustration uh, works for you. And I said, you know, me and you have a, a relationship. We have a, we have a fellowship, don't we? She says, well, yeah, we're married. I said, exactly And I said, now, I'm finding out uh, that when I have a a, a deep fellowship or or, or, or a deep relationship with you, I want to do something for you. Y'all with me? Okay, some of y'all maybe need to work on your marriage a little bit. (laughs) And, and, And so you're looking for ways to serve them or do something for them with no strings attached. And so I was talking about that. And I said, Donna, look, I said, you know, that, that's a picture of our... We have a fellowship. We have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And because of our relationship, our fellowship, we, we want to serve Him. We want to do something for Him. And it seems like when we're doing something for Him, we have that peace. And I said, just like in our household, when we, we have the right fellowship and we have the right relationship... And, and you're looking for ways to, you know, serve me, and, uh, and I'm looking for ways to serve you. Do you, have you noticed there's peace in the house? Is it not? There's peace in the house. Why? Because we are a relationship... Is getting stronger and stronger and because of our relations getting stronger and stronger, we're looking at, we're going out of our ways. Hey, I want to do something for my wife. You know, you're thinking about, instead of me going and getting a you know new gun or something like that, I need to go and get her a ring. I know I'm really going over the top here, but, uh, or, or something like that. And then she's looking she says, you know what? I don't need that new ring. I need it for him to get that new gun. And, and you know, which is not, not good you know for a man that can't see, and, and so uh, you know, I'm an illustration here, and and so and and I told her, and I and, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, we've had our trials and we've had our bumps and bruises along with our marriage, but it seems like when our fellowship is like it's supposed to be, there's peace in the house, and we know there's peace in the house because we're wanting to serve one another. That's exactly where we're at in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You you can know that you're strong in your. relationship relationship because you're looking at ways to serve him and when you're starting to serve him you start having a peace you got something inside you no matter what goes on uh, no matter what falls around you that you say you know what man i have a peace that surpasses all understanding and the only way i can explain it is because i have a fellowship with a loving father and i want to serve him and i want to and it's amazing to me when we go in those times when we're in trouble and things are not going well, relationship well, the first thing we want to do, we want to bail out of the very thing that's going to help us through those times. We start dropping out of the church. We start getting out of fellowship. And when we get out of fellowship with Him, we're going to get out of fellowship with one another. Isn't that the way the church ought to operate that we have a fellowship here? We are a fellowship. That means that we love one another. We have a relationship with one another. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so I'm looking for ways because of my relationship with Him, I want to serve Him. I'm now, because I'm wanting to serve Him, I'm wanting to serve you. And and so this is why we're knowing that we can have a peace and that we can have unity and we can have a sweet... Remember when the offering went up? There was a sweet smell that went to the nose, nostrils of the Lord Jesus. I don't know about you, but when he thinks of the fellowship here, I hope he thinks about, oh, it smells so good because of their Fellowship and because their service and i'm going to give them that peace